Hello, this is Joshua Mack from Cornerstone Bible Church, and uh, we are talking marriage and family. And today I want us to think a little bit about conflict resolution, or I guess to say it more positively, making peace. And of course, uh, making peace is important because of, of peace, the value of peace. It's difficult to put a price tag on peace and on peaceful relationships. There's really hardly anything sweeter in this life, especially in your home. In fact, I think this is something even most unbelievers would long for. It's definitely something that we read about a lot in the New Testament. It's kind of amazing how much of the New Testament is devoted to one topic, peace and unity among believers. And while there are all kinds of different ways the Bible stresses the value of peace, One of my favorites is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, where Paul writes, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, which is huge if you think about the calling to which we have been called. Walk in a manner worthy of being chosen by God. Walk in a manner worthy of being adopted by God. What could possibly be worthy of that? What kind of life looks like a life that's worthy of that kind of calling. Paul explains, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And so there are all kinds of ways we might stress the value of peace and peace in a marriage relationship. We could talk about how it makes our life more enjoyable, how we hate conflict, But it's important to think of peace in terms of our relationship with God. One of the primary reasons peace in Christian marriages and in Christian homes is important is because of the way it honors God and calls attention to the great work he has done for us and in us. God values peace. We value peace. But unfortunately, we all know that while peace is so valuable, most human relationships are not characterized by peace, at least not for long. Instead, all too often, strife, conflict, quarrels, fights, and battles mark our relationship with one another. Certainly in the world, among unbelievers, but we know also in the church among Christians and in homes where Christians are married to one another. How many of you know of relationships in conflict right now? That's not a new problem. Alexander Strzok writes, throughout scripture, we see the ugly reality of sin displayed in cruel wars and fightings, even among those who were called to be God's people. What was the first sin recorded after Adam and Eve were driven from the Garden of Eden? Cain killing his brother Abel. And it was somehow connected to to worship. Jacob and Esau battled one another even in the womb. Joseph, jealousy over their younger brother's favorite status with their father, drove 10 of Jacob's 12 sons to sell Joseph into slavery. The wilderness, over and over, the people of Israel quarreled with one another and especially with Moses. And it got so bad that at one point Moses wanted to, to die. Saul, David, King Solomon, the, the, the New Testament. Uh, Jesus is killed by 
the religious leaders. His own disciples during his earthly life were quarreling with one another over which one of them was the greatest. And those are just a few examples. And if those examples teach us anything, they teach us that it's very hard for us to have peaceful relationships, even the best relationship. It's amazing. And I'm sure you've seen this. It, it really doesn't take us long to figure out ways to hurt one another. I sometimes feel like I'm always naturally on the verge of destroying relationships. And I don't think that's being melodramatic, actually. We could easily, if God left us to ourselves, break the best relationship. We need help. We need help knowing how to live at peace personally. And we need help knowing how to live at peace in our families and in our churches. It's amazing how confusing relationships can become. And so we need to go back to God's word and see what principles we can learn about living at peace. And because conflict can be so confusing, I think it's good to start at the basics. And I'm just going to touch on a very, 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 very basic issue. And that is what a conflict is. I feel like to deal with conflict well, we need to know what conflict is, which seems kind of obvious, I suppose, but we have a lot of different instinctive responses to something we feel is a conflict. And we actually have ways we've been trained to think about conflict by those around us for years and years so that it almost feels like the only way to think about conflict. Those ways of looking at conflict are pretty powerful, and sometimes they cause us to have a distorted understanding of what a conflict actually is. We can sometimes think something's a conflict when it's not, and we cannot realize that something is a conflict when it actually is. I don't know, what are some of the different attitudes you have seen to conflict? Some people hate anything that seems like conflict so much that they run away from it at all costs. If if it even might be a conflict, they 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 avoid it. Um, somebody just looks at them in a way that seems like they possibly could be upset. They're bothered about it for days. And then, of course, there are people who seem to love conflict. There are some people who could argue with you for saying hello. People are different. This is a conflict. This is not a conflict. What does the Bible say? If we're going to make peace, we, we have to have a biblical perspective on conflict. In his book, The Peacemaker, great book, Ken Sandy defines conflict like this. He says, a difference in opinion or purpose that frustrates someone's goals or desires. What do you notice about that definition? What stands out to you? One of the things that stands out to me is that it recognizes that not every disagreement is a conflict. And hear that again because it's important. Not every disagreement is a conflict. Obviously, God made us all different. And as a result, we naturally have different personal tendencies, even different likes and dislikes that are fairly neutral. You, you know this. If some of us get a chance to go on vacation straight to the mountains, others of us, the ocean. Others of us will be like vacation. I hate vacation. I just want to stay and, and work. 
We like different uh, sports. We like uh, different foods. We all all have differences. And as a result, we have all kinds of differences and disagreements. And those disagreements are not wrong in and of themselves. I know uh, sometimes, especially couples, can, when they first get married, at least have a fairy tale view of marriage. And they think they'll never have different opinions about anything. And obviously, that's just foolish. A couple that gets married, any couple, is going to be different in many ways. And as a result, they're going to have many different disagreements. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. (laughs) Disagreements among people are to be expected. Some people think the difference between a good friendship and a bad friendship is that a good friendship doesn't have any disagreements and a bad friendship has all kinds of disagreements. And that's really not true at all. Differences and disagreements between a husband and wife can actually be beneficial. Even if we think about the way that uh, God describes the church, he describes the church as being like a body. So just as it's good that we have different parts of our body, it's good that we're different within the church and more specifically within a marriage. Actually, the truth is if you're both the same in every way, one of you is kind of unnecessary, right? You can probably identify some of the ways that differences in marriages can be beneficial. It can cause you to think about something from a perspective you've never thought about it before. For example, if you have different instincts with money, I uh, tend to be a saver. So if I get money, the first thought I'm given money, the first thought I have is, man, I just can't wait to get it into the bank for, for some reason. Marta, on the other hand, when uh, we're given money, she's thinking about the kids. And so if we get uh, extra money from someone, she's thinking, how can we give this money uh, to our children so they can benefit? Now, hopefully when I'm thinking about saving money, the reason I'm thinking about saving money is because I'm thinking long-term for the children. And when Marta's thinking about spending the money, she's thinking about needs the children have right now. And that's by itself just a difference. Both can be good. Uh, Both probably could also not be good. But it's a difference. And the fact that we have that difference enables us to think about things from a different perspective. It can enable, differences can enable us to accomplish things more effectively. Uh, For example, in in a marriage, If one of you is really laid back and just likes to have fun and the other is super organized, the the difference between you can make your family run more smoothly. If you both are the exact same way, you can easily end up being a caricature of really an uptight family or (laughs) really a a family that uh, could accomplish more but is always kind of wandering this way or that because there's no organization. It can make our lives, differences can make our lives more interesting and enjoyable. I used to have a friend who loved looking at birds. And man, when I, most birds look pretty much the same to me and I'm not noticing, but he could spend hours really looking at birds and researching birds. He would read books on birds. He knew all kinds of different names about birds. And uh, when I got to know this friend a little better, he made my life more enjoyable because he would point things out to me that I wouldn't notice by myself. It's like the more 
friends you have and the more different they are, the more the world opens up and you, if you're listening, can enjoy more of the things that God created. Uh, differences can make us a more effective team for Christ. Uh, some of us are able to reach out to a certain kind of person easily and other kinds of people are hard for us. But when there's a marriage relationship and we're different, now we can reach out to different kinds of people more effectively. Differences can help us understand others. If we're with people that are just thinking like we think all the time, it's easy for us to, to never see something from a different perspective. And as a result, we sort of categorize everyone else as like, ah, they're just doing this and they're so foolish. But when we're with someone who is different, like a spouse, and we realize, okay, they've thought about this and, and this is why they think this. And we might not necessarily agree, but it enables us when we meet other people to understand them better. It also uh, helps us as we minister to others because your differences may uh, cause you to say the same thing in a different way. Uh, the Proverbs talks about the tongue of a wise. The wise makes knowledge acceptable. And so it might be that you can learn from your spouse how to speak the truth more effectively to someone else than you normally would because they're showing you a different way to communicate. Differences can be extremely valuable. Unfortunately, however, too often those differences that God intended for our good can become major problems. You, you see this so often in marriages. You have these two people who are so different naturally, and you think, wow, it's obvious that these two need each other. And yet what should have been a strength becomes a very significant problem. And the problem comes, this is what I'm trying to stress, not so much because of the differences themselves, but because of selfishness. That, that's the key. Differences do not have to be conflicts. They become conflicts when our selfish desires get involved. Why do disagreements become conflicts? James puts it like this. What causes fights and what causes quarrels among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? And so it's not the differences that cause the fights and quarrels. It's the passions. That's what Ken Sandy was trying to point out. A conflict is when a difference in opinion or purpose frustrates someone's goals or desires. And we might even go further. It's our response to that frustration. I want something and I feel like you're getting in my way and you're stopping me from getting it. And all of a sudden, we have a conflict. So difference, a disagreement, means we just have a difference. Conflict is when that disagreement has become emotional. And now we're quarreling and now we're fighting because we have to get what we want and we're going to do what it takes. It's one thing to disagree. It's another to have a conflict. And to see if a difference has become a conflict, you might just look at your own heart attitude and then look at the fruit. One example of that is uh, Romans 14, 1 through 5. You have people there with legitimate differences of opinion. Two groups, one thought you should eat something, others thought you don't have to, you shouldn't eat it. And one was technically right. But Paul says it's not worth arguing about. Instead, he says, 
accept one another. One man has faith that he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats vegetables only. Let not him who eats regard with contempt him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has accepted him. But obviously, instead of accepting each other, they were judging one another and despising one another. A disagreement has become a conflict. Now, one of the challenges when we have a disagreement with someone else is that it's easy for us to assume it's because they're in sin. And it it might be. So the result of that is we don't even really look at ourselves. And it might be that they're in sin or it might not be. One very important thing to determine when you're having a disagreement is whether this is a principle or a preference. Now, even if it's a principle, obviously, you don't have the right to become selfish about it and to handle that principle in a wrong way. But you do deal with principles and preferences differently, at least a wise, godly person does. But what usually happens in a conflict is we're so sure that it's the other person's sin that is the real reason for this conflict. And we don't always take into account that the difference itself might not have been sin. I remember counseling a, a couple from very different cultures and the the wife would, uh, her relatives would come over and they would come over without notice and they would stay for a long time. And the husband, he just thought that was the most selfish thing that there ever was. And he thought that the relatives, if they're going to stay for a period of time, should let them know they're going to stay for this long and this is when they're coming and this is when they're leaving. And she thought that was the most selfish thing there possibly could be. And so they were just going at it because they were both sure the other was in sin when the reality was they just had a difference. They had that was a, a disagreement that they had turned into a conflict, and yet they were unable to deal with it because they were uh, sure it was just the other person who was being flat out unreasonable. And so it helps sometimes to just take a step back and make sure we understand some of the reasons we are so different in the first place. To prevent conflict, we have to understand where some of these differences come from. And uh, that's what we're going to do in our next podcast.